Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Coconut, the ultimate accounting and tax tool for self-employed people. With expense tracking, receipt capture, invoicing and tax all in one easy to use app, Coconut gives you the power of a finance team in your pocket. Get started today. Get coconut.com slash being freelance. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for 3D illustrator Hashmuk Karai. It's like a marathon and not a race when it comes to freelancing. It's a lot about sort of learning from your mistakes, pushing forward. You can only showcase work that you've done. And if it's work that you don't like, because that's all you're getting hired to do, you're never going to be hired to do a job that's anything better than that. So I definitely think putting stuff out there that you believe in and that's the stuff that you want to create is so, so important. My wife always actually pinches me when I complain about work. She's like, look, I have a full-time job. I have to go and do this, this, this. She's like, you wake up every morning and you do what you love. I'm like, yeah, when things get stressful, it's just like, yeah, I just make random crap and people want to pay me for it. Yeah, so there is Hash, his story coming up in a moment. I tell you what, as we record this, uh, obviously you could be listening to this years into the future. Uh, we're right in this weird global situation with coronavirus and it is affecting a lot of people's minds and their businesses and all sorts so this week in the being freelance community we did a special live Q&A with Ruth from Mindful Pathway uh, she's a mindfulness trainer professional and yeah we talked about the anxiety that we're feeling, how we can deal with it. Clearly, you've missed the chance to join us live, but you can watch it back. So it's not too late to join the Being Freelance community, or if you're already a member, jump back in there and you'll find myself and Ruth and a load of us BFFs coming to get... BFF is Being Freelance Friend, by the way. Yeah, come join us. Be one. Um, yeah, anyway, I was just trying to trying to figure out ways to, to help, and that seemed like something useful to do. So come and find it. Uh, go to beingfreelance.com, click through to the community and you can watch our mindfulness session on there. Hopefully, if you are listening to this sometime in the future, months or years from now, you'll be like, oh yeah, that thing, that all worked out okay in the end. If only Steve knew that right now as he records it and wasn't <laughs> stressing out. Whew. Deep breaths just not on anybody else. Right, let's crack on and chat to this week's guest, and that is freelance 3D illustrator and motion designer, Hash McCarray. Hey, Hash! Hey. Thank you so much for joining us. So, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Yeah, sure. So, my freelance career starts at uh, university. So, I studied motion graphics at university, and I had a little bit of an unfortunate uh, case that was seemed to sort of repeat itself throughout my career and, and my education where uh, my course got cut at university uh, and I ended up having to move from the motion design course to the graphic design course um, so it was really right. interesting uh, well yeah it was a bit of a downfall but also I got to learn sort of some more strict graphic design uh, and then in my own time learn uh, sort of motion graphics through online tutorials so that was that was a bit of a weird footing into into the world of animation motion as it was, um, and I sort of just ticked along. And then it came to graduation, and I was uh, as a young uh, university student, really scared about what the heck I was going to do. I didn't really know there was a much of an industry out there for. for I didn't know what advertising was, um, but uh, it sort of came to my degree show, 
which is obviously really big for any creative student, if you're an artist or illustrator, designer, animator, because that's where you sort of put on your your big show for your, to showcase all your sort of three or four years worth of work. Um, I was quite lucky to be sort of poached by a designer that came along to the, the university show. I think they were desk camping at a, a studio, a production company that was only like about two, 300 meters away from my university. So it was literally around the corner. Uh, and they saw my show, they saw the the project that I'd set up and got in touch saying that, oh, the, the, the company that they're desk camping at is looking for a motion designer. Uh, so it called me in. Uh, I was a bit confused because I thought it was like an internship. So I thought it was a, a free thing that I'm going in to just help out. Uh, I was a student, so I had no idea what the heck I was doing. Uh, but it turned out to be a freelance gig, which is really weird. And they were like, hey, we've got a day rate for you. I was like, oh, okay, I'm getting paid to do this. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's just kind of how it started off. It was it was a really weird uh, I, I sort of setting where, I, yeah, I just didn't know what freelancing was or contracting was. I think they said, yeah, you're coming into contract. So I was like, uh, okay. And I think I just Googled, like, what the heck does this mean? And, and I just <laughs> sort of fell into it. It was I, I was never told what freelancing even meant uh, as a student. Um, but yeah, that was like my first intro. And what year was that? That was back in 2013. It's been a good six, coming to seven years of freelancing now. So I was going to say straight off the back of that, did you just continue freelancing? Yeah, I just continued from there. So it was it's a weird thing. So I, I personally never met another freelancer who has gone from university or education straight into freelance. You often, I find, either do internships or you go in. Most freelancers actually work at, you know, an agency or a studio full time and then find freelancing. They need the flexible hours or they want to try something new. Um, I kind of did it obviously the opposite way around, which was, I personally think good because, you know, freelancing is so all over the place. You don't know when your next job is. Um, so you have to live a little bit, you know, of that. I feel as if it's kind of still being a student in a sense where you don't know <laughs> when your money's coming in, when your loan's coming in. That's how it was for me when I was a student. So that introduction was good, not having to rely on having full freelance work in the beginning because I was still sort of leaving, living that student life. And then, yeah, it's just, just, just continued. The last seven years has just been full on freelance, although the last three or four years has been full time. I think I've just been winging it the whole time, really, um, <laughs> prior to that. But that's how it goes, I think. I think you've just got to, it's, it's like testing the waters, understanding what this all is. And I definitely think that it's like a marathon and not a, a race when it comes to freelancing. Uh, it's a lot about sort of learning from, uh, you know, your errors and your mistakes and sort of pushing forward. So how did you go about getting your first freelance clients Be beyond that first one? Yeah. What did you do? Like, how long was that for? Was was it like going in each day for a certain period? Um, well, that was, so it was a bit an interesting one. That that first gig was uh, coming in to just do one or two projects. And um, they probably had me doing like a week's worth of work a month, maybe even less. But I was quite lucky. They allowed me to stay in the studio and, and use it as a bit of a workspace. Um, and in, in sort of return, if they had like an hour's work here or there that they needed done, I'd do it for them and I'd help them out in return for not having to sort of pay to, to use a space. Um, and then other than that, my next freelance gigs really came from people I'd met in that studio. Luckily that studio was a production company. So there was a lot of directors and producers, a lot of freelancers that were coming in, uh, sort of freelance producers, 
Um, so then it was kind of just naturally sort of evolved. I, I never did any new business. I never did any sort of calling out to new people. Everything was the people that were around me. I was very, I think I was very fortunate to be my first job was somewhere where where it, w- it was full of talented people who were, you know, going around and doing cool projects and working with other people. So it was very sort of natural, evolved quite naturally. And they just called me on to their other product, uh, their other projects that they'd work on. Uh, sort of for other agencies and other companies so everything's been word of mouth and that's kind of how my career has been in general it's often someone recommends me and very rarely I, I sort of go out and poach for new business did you go from like one job to another then or have you had slower periods I've definitely had like super slow periods like I said I think the first year or so was like one week's worth of work accumulatively you know maybe an, a day here or there you know uh, per month um so it was super slow for sure in the beginning and then I just as you meet people and as I got into the books for a lot of agencies I worked at work became a lot more regular and uh, started taking a lot more longer gigs and yeah it just it just sort of evolved from there I just started to to meet more people and uh, I think uh, I've been very lucky that the kind of work that I do is all sort of like social media work. So it's all very fast paced. It's all project basis. So I've just been sort of jumping around from one thing to another. And like I said, a lot of the places that I work, I'm very lucky Like there's a lot of freelance producers. So they, wherever they go, they'll sort of take me with them. If, I, if I'm their sort of go-to motion designer that they like to use, uh, or if they're a director that likes to use, uh, you know, a motion designer that they know. So they just pick me. So yeah, I've mm. just sort of bounced around from place to place and just with other people and try to create a, a good partnership with the people that I work with all the time um, to make sure that they keep me in mind going forward for whatever they do. Yeah. What about what you put out on, I know, various forms of social media, be it like the likes of Instagram or the ones more targeted for your industry? Like, do you put time into those? Yeah, so Instagram's really big for me um, and has kind of changed my career in the last two or three years um so i traditionally was a motion designer out of, out of uni that's what i learned and i've always done 3d 3d is a big part of motion design but personally the, the motion graphics i've done is all sort of 2d animation it's quite simple it's all social media stuff so it's all like infographics and flat 2d graphics it's often over uh, sort of video footage um and yeah it's, your, it's kind of your bread and butter stuff um and i've always done 3d but over the last sort of I'd say actually three or four years um, I've been learning how learning how to do a lot more 3D picking up some 3D software and a bit of a trend on Instagram and even even other portfolio websites like Behance um, and back in the days like DeviantArt and stuff like that um, the trend is just like put up put up your work even if it's like a sort of work in progress just put your stuff out there to 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 kind of um, see what other designers think of your work so you can chat you can build a little bit of a community instagram's been big for me like that because i try to make a post every week um, and it's just a random uh, piece of work it's often some abstract piece of work that i put together and that could be from like an idea or it could be from a tutorial that i've learned and then i sort of take it and then evolve the idea and i just post stuff i've been posting very regularly and sort of it's a bit weird but i, I look through my instagram now and it's become a portfolio in itself and it's actually quite, it's a lot more vast than my actual sort of design and commercial portfolio. So I have a lot more 3D work than I have commercial work. 
to show that, you know, from the last seven years of freelancing. So I've just been posting on, on Instagram very regularly. And that is actually started to get me work recently. And that's why I've taken on this sort of different career path now. I'm doing a lot more 3D. I'm, I'm trying to be a bit more of a 3D illustrator, uh, which is cool. It's different. Uh, so it's a bit of a change in my freelance life from from doing motion graphic jobs and now taking on more 3D, more 3D commission jobs, which is quite different as well. I'm, I'm often, uh, my previously I was a sort of journalist motion designer, so I'd be called in often after a project has been, uh, so the art direction is done or the graphic design is done. I just come in to help animate whatever's been done. So I'm often an afterthought in, in sort of all the projects that I work on. But the 3D stuff's quite different because... You kind of come in at an earlier stage, you help out with the art direction, uh, with the overall idea. And, and commission work is cool because often your clients come to you because of your style and your direction. And Instagram's just, for some reason, works so well for that. I think a lot of people are just gravitating towards finding new people on Instagram compared to maybe some other portfolio websites, just because people are putting stuff out um, a lot more. So yeah, social media is like a big thing for me. For for That's actually like my new business i guess is is to just post and put stuff out there that's great so by experimenting and sort of playing around and putting out work there that you wanted to be doing people have seen that and now they're they're getting you in to do it yeah i would say you're only as good as like your last job that you do and and you're only as good as your portfolio right so if you're if your portfolio for any creative this is if you're a copywriter if you're a director if, whatever it is if you've you can only showcase work that you've done. And if it's work that you don't like, because that's all you're getting hired to do, you're never going to be hired to do a job that's anything better than that. Because clients don't like taking that big leap of faith. And also they can't, they don't have the vision as you do. So I definitely think putting stuff out there that you believe in and that's the stuff that you want to create is so, so important. I, I think way too many people um, are very precious about the work they put out and they try and make it all very commercial, maybe very corporate. But if you, if you sort of try and add that tone of voice that comes from you, you can start creating that, that work a lot more. Mm. How do you find the time to do the client work and your own project? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, it's just putting in the hours. It's a lot more harder now. I got married recently, so I have a lot more different, um, responsibilities and I've got to share my time out equally with my wife but previous to that uh sort of in the early days of freelancing it was just putting in loads and loads of time it was, it was different maybe uh earlier on in my freelance career because I didn't have as much work but now there is there is still that battle between commercial work and personal work but just based on how much of a believer I am in inside hustles and and doing that personal work uh, I try and even them out as much as I can um, I guess it's just evenings, weekends. I, I mean, if you're enjoying it, I think you're you're willing to put the time into it. And it, whenever I have like a spare moment, even if I have an hour or two between, uh, you know, in like a lunch spot between working or doing a gig at an agency, I'll, I'll put a tutorial on just while I'm eating. It's just finding those little, little bits of time. Uh, and, and I enjoy it. That's why I think I can, I can afford mm. to, um, skip out on social time or, or watching Netflix or binging on a TV program because I feel as if it's not work when I'm doing the personal stuff it's it's just 
R&D, it's experimentation. You know, and I, I put a podcast on in the background. I put some music on. So it's just kind of like therapeutic. I just get on with it really. So it's definitely tough. I think that balance is definitely tough. But if you if you love it, I think it just comes naturally. Yeah. So you work a lot in-house, do you? Um. So I used to. I used to do a lot of uh, in-house stuff. So I'd sort of bounce around from agency to agency or production company. Uh, primarily small production companies just because of the work that I like to do. I don't like to work on big campaigns, just a personal preference. I like to work with sort of smaller teams. It's a little bit easier to communicate and to get your your personal uh, sort of message across on, on how you want to work or your creative direction. Uh, I find big agencies are quite tough to work with, but there's a few that I work with who are really, really cool and I, I absolutely love working with them. Um, but recently, the last, since I would say last summer, I, I really changed things up and I'm trying to push a lot of my clients to to let me do a lot of remote work, which is working. I, I would say about 30%, maybe 30, 25% of my clients are allowing me to do a lot more remote work. I think the give uh, is that I can spend more time working on stuff because I'm not commuting. Um, I'm not having to waste time with a lot of the time like I'm going into places and I can I can first of all you can't even get into the building because you're at some weird workspace where <laughs> they have to come and sign you in and oh and then I can't get onto Adobe or I can't get onto the product uh, the, the the server or, or the whatever it's there's always some issues um, and then time wasted on meetings and bloody blah just like random stuff so the trade-off is is look I can I can narrow down my focus i can i can just work a lot harder and also i'm working on my machine now that i'm doing a lot more 3d stuff a lot of the agencies that I work at just don't have a, the sort of hardware that i need to be able to get the job done so i'm trying to push a lot more for for sort of remote work and work from home which is just so much more beneficial so much more better for me i can just get on with stuff uh it's just peace of mind sort of men- just in terms of my mental health as well just working from home it's just so much better to not sort of be commuting and rushing around um so yeah it's a, still a bit of a mixture of both but I, i'm trying to push to do a lot more remote work how do you find it when you are working from home when you've been or, or is it more like it sounds more like a relief <laughs> after have you know like a, lo- a lot of people they might feel isolated or they're not seeing people but i don't know maybe it sounds like you've got quite a good balance of yeah i i think i've got a good balance based on the fact that i do still go in-house mm. um but uh, it, it's it's also tough. I, it's my idea. Like I, I'd always ask on a new project, oh, can I work from home? Even if it means um, like a lot of the time, it's like the first few days are working in-house just so you get a feel of the project and you're working with the team to just uh, start things up, make sure you're all on board. And then when it comes to like the just getting on with the, with the job for animation stuff, um, I can just work from home and I don't need any creative direction. I can just get on with whatever I need to. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. The, uh, the thing I think with my setup at home, I need to be a bit careful because I like have my exercise bike in my studio. So I work out in the, in the evenings and then I also watch TV from my studio. And then I like, it, there's just so much that goes on in this tiny little room in my house. Um, so it can get a bit claustrophobic. I've, I try and, and and take a walk as much as I can, but it's for sure tough, but a lot better than than being at an agency. There's just a comfort of, of working from home, which uh, is like nothing else. 
<laughs> it's funny. I just got visions. You know those Peloton adverts which are on at the moment? <laughs> yeah, exactly. With these big, beautiful, open like open spaces of houses that they seem to be in. I, I want to see one with you, <laughs> with a clothes no. horse in one corner and your iMac in the other or whatever. <laughs> well, it's funny. When I do Skype calls, I really have to sort of angle the webcam so it doesn't uh, show the random bike in the corner um <laughs> but yeah for some reason it was the only place i could i could put it in my house so uh yeah it's just here so but it's all right that's all right well things are rendering you just hop up exactly on it, exactly it? it's one thing i noticed that you you've done um and i think this might have even been like I, I remember really seeing this when you you started like pushing it out there perhaps on instagram or whatever mm-hmm. i think it was last year that you created a, your own freelancer guide yeah. Yeah. What was the thinking behind doing that? So I'm quite lucky to have a little bit of a following on Instagram. Uh, and it's predominantly, I find a lot of young designers. And I always get asked the same questions all the time. It's the same, same questions. How, how do I find work? How do I, how do I invoice? You know, how do I charge for this? How do I set up a portfolio? Can you look at my work? But it's the same things over and over again. And I think it's a bit unfortunate because there's obviously a gap or in, in education in terms of not teaching or learning anything about freelancing. I found that at university. I found, mm. uh, you know, I studied design and it was a design course and it was a design university. And like, and I spoke to, I've spoken to a lot of freelancers who say, yeah, they freelance was just not an option. It's like, you're going to, you're going to leave here and you're going to go and work at an agency or you're going to go work at a design studio or an animation house or whatever. So I just thought, you know what, I had, this was last year, so I had about six years, I think it was, it was six years last summer of freelancing. And I was like, let me just put this into, it was originally meant to be a blog post. Um, and then I ended up writing a bit too much. Uh, and I thought, you know what, it'll be better as a PDF guide. And, and I thought, what should I do with this? How do I put it out? Um, and I thought, okay, a PDF is would be a good idea. Um, and I also want you to turn it into a bit of a project. A project so there's a bunch of sort of 3d illustrations that accompany all the tips and tricks that i put into the the guide and yeah generally it's just it's just a guide um with all of my sort of uh a lot of it is my opinions personal opinions and i say that in the intro i say look this is not going to guarantee you work but this is just stuff that i've learned over the last six years of freelancing um and it was yeah just just a, a place where i can put all of those answers that people ask me about freelancing um, it's mainly for junior junior sort of designers or people wanting to just get into freelance, or if you're if you're making that transition from full time to to freelance, and if you want to just know what freelancers sort of day to day is, or, or those first sort of like the really basic stuff like setting up an invoice. A lot of people don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. I was very lucky to have a friend that was a freelancer who I copied. I asked him for his like template and basically just replaced the logo. So like really, really simple stuff. Nowadays, thankfully, there's a lot more resources online. But I thought, yeah, let me just put this thing out. And it was actually really good. It had a had a pretty good response to it, a lot better than I'd thought. And ended up getting me actually some freelance gigs off the back of that, just based on the fact that I, I made all these illustrations to accompany it. Um, and it got me featured in a few places as well, which was great for my personal brand in general. It looks amazing. It's great that it got you work. What when you were writing it down and you were like thinking over like all the stuff that you'd learned over those six years, was there anything that jumped out at you when you were writing it and you thought, oh yeah, actually, I'll put that, I'll put that in. Yeah. Um. The thing that jumped out to me was all the moving pieces that come 
with being a freelancer. So all, all those little, little things, you know, what, what, the further you go down your career, you, you obviously become a lot more, things become a lot more easier in, in some, to some degree. Um, you stop thinking about the invoicing stuff or the, the portfolio side of things, or even the financials, you, you start to get a better bearing of how to sort of navigate through all that stuff. So I think for me, it was like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot of stuff you've got to consider. Um, and I had to be careful because I, I didn't want to scare people from freelancing, but I also wanted to be honest enough to tell people that, look, there are going to be ups and downs. There's going to be time when you don't have work. You know, be careful with your with your finances. Don't just jump into freelance without having any savings. Um, so I think that's what really sort of jumped out for me was knowing that there's actually a lot that comes with trying to make this transition, If, if you're coming, especially if you're coming from being a, a full-timer. How have you coped with that sort of business side of it, other than that first help with the invoice? Uh, it's it's honestly all been trial and error. Like I've messed up so many times; it's unbelievable. Um, the f- like the first few clients I had, I very uh, badly sort of undersold myself and, and had terrible day rates. Uh, I didn't know how to write emails in the beginning. Like I was so bad at writing emails. I'd write emails as if I'm like messaging someone um so just like simple stuff uh i didn't know how to do and it's it's just been trial and error it's it's literally been understanding how to work with people as as i've sort of grown as a freelancer and as a designer and as i've got into the industry just feeling how things work it's it's all come naturally i've never had anyone there really to tell me how things work um like i said earlier i think it it's only been the last sort of two or three years where i can properly say oh i'm a freelancer and, and this is what i do uh, for sure the first couple of years were, were just like oh this is just a kind of a thing that i'm doing to get along to t- to sort of just take along to pay the bills just about it was really tough in the in the first few years but um it's all been natural i think it's then the business side of stuff you get better at it as you go along um uh, it's, it's still still tough to this day there's still stuff that you come across where you're like, what the hell is this all about? Um, but uh, like IR35, oh my God, that is like the worst thing right now. And everyone's freaking out about it. But, you know, yeah, it's just like you just come across these things and you just got to try and sort of gear yourself up on on whatever it is and and just take it on really. I think that's just a freelance life, I guess. You just take what whatever comes at you, um, wherever, wherever that's a, a brief from a client, you know, meeting new clients, uh, coming across a new project they've never worked on or or some financial you know struggles or whatever it is you just got to sort of take it on the chin and just roll with it i noticed on your about page that you're represented by snyder new york in the yeah. uk and us so presumably that's that's like an that's an agency for illustrators and motion designers like how did that come about and has it been a benefit to you yeah, that's been great. It's that is what has uh, given me this new sort of path into three D and and to do more commission work. As I was uh, talking about earlier, um, I, I was I've been putting the feelers out for to sort of being represented for for some time now, uh, and then sort of last summer I, I, I contacted a whole bunch of people, um, but then sort of mutually uh, got in touch with Snyder and they're, they're great female owned agency in in New York. Um, so they're cool. They come with a fresh perspective, and uh, yeah, they just represent me for for UK and America, and just help 
get me work um a lot more sort of uh, i found a lot of the stuff that they do is like editorial work so stuff that i've never done before based on the fact that everything i've done is sort of social media related um but yeah it's just cool they just help me find work um, and that's only come after years of working um i think you've got to build up a strong portfolio to be able to to sort of find an agent but they they're cool they just help me out help me find some work and it's just a, a sort of another arm um, where I can sort of find new business without having to actually find new business. Uh, I think if you, I think the most important thing is to just try and find people that can help you as much as you can help them. So building that that community around yourself is super important. Another thing I noticed was like you, um, you know, have a thing where you've been featured, for example, in magazines or videos and awards that you've won. This is on your website, yeah, uh, and there'll be a link. Uh, to Hash's website at beingfreelance.com so you can check it out. Is that something that you actively go after, for example, uh, like a- appearing in things or going for awards? Or Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to push for it. Not so much the awards stuff, um, but definitely the features. I, I think it just helps my personal brand. Uh, that's a big thing, actually. Like personal brand as a freelancer, um, only over the last couple of years, I've really pushed that. And I've started to understand that the pow- how powerful and impactful it is to create a personal brand. I think people are, before I was just ticking along as any other freelancer. And it was very hard to make myself stand out amongst the noise of so many other people that are so talented. And I often say, like, I get hired to do, to do the work that I do based on a kind of a number of things. One, I, you obviously have to be good at the job, but two, you have to be able to work with the team. You have to be able to show the different skills that you can do. Um, like there's people definitely that are better than me at my job, but you've got to be able to like know how to actually be a freelancer, like be able to work with the people, be able to work with teams, do have to take a brief and interpret that correctly. So yeah, my, my personal brand is super important now for for helping me sort of find work so the more features i guess i can sort of get out there as long as they they really relate to the work that i do uh sort of the better it's just just helping me find more work getting my name out on the internet a lot more um and that's something i'm for sure trying to push this year that's sort of a big initiative and when you do that when you talk about your personal brand like do you put yourself out there you know like your facing your personality uh or do you just let the work do the talking uh it's so it's a it's a bit of a mixture of both definitely i would say uh like 90 percent work but there's that 10 percent of you because you're the one who's working on it and um you need to have that face you need to have that there's that somebody behind the work like my instagram i could i could very easily just make an instagram that's uh pure work like a lot of artists do but my instagram is sort of slightly shared it's predominantly work but it's also a lot of personal stuff i want to show clients me and that's my brand i'm my brand just as much as the work that i create and i want people to see that like i want people to see who i am especially for me as a a, a a uh, person of color working in, in an industry which might not sort of uh, represent me a lot. I think that's like just super important to show who I am. So yeah, it's 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 a bit of a mixture, predominantly work, but yeah, my tone of voice and who I am really has to come across in everything. Now, Hash, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay, so the first one is, I wanted to be a forensic scientist when I was growing up. And then the second one is, 
uh, I can only fall asleep watching chiropractic videos on YouTube. <laughs> and then the third one is I have to have a nap after every meal. Okay. So as a, what, as a little boy, you wanted to be a forensic investigator. Yeah. I just watched a lot of CSI growing up and I'd, uh, I had my own little CSI kit, which was basically just hair follicles that I'd taken off from my brothers. It was just really <laughs> weird. I did really weird. I'd like gather nail clippings uh, and, and all sorts of like strange stuff. I never knew why. And, uh, and yeah, I think it was just, I think it was, I just love CSI and I thought that was like a cool thing to, uh, to, to go and, and do as a career. <laughs> you can only fall asleep while watching chiropractic videos. I mean, I'm presuming there's an exaggeration in there because presumably you slept okay until the invention of YouTube. But I'm, I'm wondering, like, how did you discover the therapeutic effects of watching chiropractic videos? There's a thing called ASMR. It's a weird part of YouTube. So it's basically a thing where it's like there's sounds that are so therapeutic that they make you sort of nod off. And it's a, it's a hidden part. It's, it feels like a bit dirty talking about actually, but it's like a weird part of YouTube where you have these people who, who do these, like make these weird sounds into their microphone. It's so strange that I'm putting, uh, now that I'm no, talking I've, about I've it. I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, this, this actually sounds really weird. But um and then I don't know why it's like people cracking their backs and like, it's just strange. It's just such a strange thing, but there's a big community. So I'm not alone. <laughs> it's a community of people who fall asleep listening yeah. to other people have their backs cracked. Yeah. Okay. And you, you have to have a nap after every meal. Yeah. But you obviously work in a lot of, or have worked in a lot of offices. Yeah. So, how how has that panned out? It's just a long toilet break. It's a long <laughs> toilet break. You go, you put the toilet seat down, and you basically just you just sit for it, just not off. Okay, I'm. I think the forensic is true. Uh, I can see how that's possible if you watched a lot of that show. I mean, I've never watched that show, which makes me question whether it's the sort of show that a child would watch. <laughs> I don't know, but that sounded very plausible. The chiropractic videos and the nap, however, but I can't believe that one of them, I just don't believe the chiropractic <laughs> video, but it's so weird, but maybe it's true. So I'm going to say, no, I, I have to go with that. I don't No, Right. The chiropractic video one is the lie. <laughs> no, it's the nap. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, I'm so cross with myself. I so nearly said the nap. Oh, that's marvelous! Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's amazing. I swear, it's 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 so weird. But it's I have to kind of hide it away from my wife as I'm watching it on my little on my iPhone and with my headphones in. But um, yeah, it feels weird. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great in the ceremony. Does anybody know a reason why this man should not wed this? <laughs> yes, you can't go to sleep without watching other people have their spine yeah. realtered. <laughs> Um, now, Hash, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Um, I think it would be to just put yourself out there. I think that's the most important thing. Just be true to yourself and just put yourself out there. Um, I found for sure as I progressed in my career, the stakes got a lot higher. So there's a lot more sort of riding on the work that I do and, and making money. But in the early days, it was all really about having fun and just testing things out so i definitely say for 
you know, sort of me back when I started out or a younger self, it would be to just stay true to myself and just, just create, just make stuff and just have fun, just have fun doing this all. Yeah, that's really nice. I do like, you know, the fact that it's obvious that you you love what you do, but you're constantly creating or learning and pushing new things yeah. rather than sitting still. And I love it on your website, the way on the homepage, it says making random shit since 2008. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that's just, it's totally, yeah. I, I, it's weird, like, it's so strange. I, I always, um, my wife always actually pinches me or, you know, when I complain about work, she's like, look, I have a full-time job. I have to go and do this, this, this. She's like, you wake up every morning and you do what you love. I'm like, yeah, I'm, when things get stressful and it's just like, yeah, I just make random crap and people want to pay me for it. It's so weird. <laughs> but um, people like what you do and, and and you put out what's true to you. I think it just works. So yeah, just making random crap since, <laughs> since yeah, then. Go to beingfreelance.com and you can find links through to Hash's website, but also to find him on Instagram, for example. It's really worth checking out and, uh, and following there. Check out the freelancing guy that we talked about. Anyway, you know the drill. Go to beingfreelance.com and everything you need will be there. And if you're a freelancing parent, don't forget the other podcast they do is called Doing It For The Kids. Go search that out as well. It's for freelancing parents. But for now, Hash, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thanks. Yeah, so there is Hash. Come and join us in the Being Freelance community, won't you? Loads going on over there. The link that you need is at beingfreelance.com. Also, there are videos, there are articles, over 200 episodes of this podcast. So remember, it doesn't matter what people do for a living, just check out their stories anyway. It's all about the Being Freelance. And if you enjoy it, please consider leaving a review, sharing it with other people. And if you listen week on week on week and you fancy buying me a packet of biscuits to say thanks... Uh, then you can do you don't have to honestly but if you go to beingfreelance.com slash coffee you can buy me coffee and biscuits be it like an airdrop of one packet of hobnobs or a regular monthly supply of the things if you're a regular listener <laughs> it's just if only that was actually how it worked that would be amazing you know like in the hunger games when like people that was i've only that's a brilliant idea with drone technology mixed with something like Patreon or Kofi, the the ability to buy a creator that you enjoy on the internet, a packet of biscuits and a drone hovers over their desk and then drops it on. Somebody painted that. Mm-hmm.